you're about to hear the best quote I've ever heard about challenges. No one needs to dry clean their pajamas. <laughs> COVID has changed the world and it has especially changed the dry cleaning industry and the cleaning industry and the way businesses go to market uh, to meet their needs. And you're about to hear a gritty story about family business and the need to change and the need to grow. Brian Kimmel is next. This is a dash of grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. Now, podcasting from Spire to leaders in local communities like yours, here is Brian Leflock. And let's get cooking. So listen, family business, family business is hard. I know it's not starting from scratch because it's already there, but family business is not easy. It's got its own set of challenges. And we're going to talk about those today on Dash of Grid. Our guest today is a fourth generation family member, generational leader, and director of business development at Kimmel Corporation in Upper Sandusky here in Ohio. And here to talk with us today is Brian Kimmel. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate you asking me to come on and uh, speak with you a little bit today. I'm thrilled to talk with you. I know uh, that you've been very successful and I know it's not also not easy to run a family business over over the years. And so we're going to talk about that. So I'm glad you're here. Brian, before we start, uh, there are people that don't know Kimmel Corporation or what you do. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and what you're proud of. Let's talk about success. Brag a little bit. Tell us what's going well at Kimmel Corporation. Overall, we're a fourth-generation family-owned and operated uniform and linen rental company based in Upper Sandusky, Ohio. We, uh, I am a, I guess, next-generation owner with my brother and my father and my uncle operate the day-to-day operations. So we cover roughly uh, 40% of the state and, um, you know, you see a bunch of trucks running around out there. Uh, Contrary to popular belief, uh, we, we, we're brought up through many years um, being a dry cleaning company, and now uh, it's kind of evolved where dry cleaning is a you know minority as far as what we're doing to our customer with our customer base. All those trucks have a bunch of uniforms and towels and uh, linens, mats, restroom products, you name it. So uh, something that uh, you know we're out there every day trying to grow a business, and uh, it's a very competitive world out there, and uh, that's what makes it fun. And so just to give us a little bit of understanding of, of where you've come from, the business started with your family. I assume it started, I, I don't know. I assume it started from a very humble beginnings, small and grew. And, and I'm interested in, in that and also what you've done since you kind of took over the reins and got there, how, how much you've grown the company. I'm interested in that history. Yeah, absolutely. So um, our company uh, started in Marion, Ohio, and then my great-grandfather purchased a dry cleaning company here in Upper Sandusky in 1931. And back then, it was dry cleaning goods, then family-owned items. We used to launder for families. Not a lot of people had washers and dryers back then. And then um, also, you know, as things evolved, and there's a lot of tailoring, I guess, if you see some popular movies from long ago and of those time periods, you know, people wore tailored suits and they went to their local tailor. We don't see that as much anymore, but that was popular back then. So that was a stronghold for us. And then uh, the business evolved into the hospital laundry scene. And we did a lot of hospitals that were community-owned hospitals, uh, running a couple shifts doing that. And then um, it evolved into, it was we always did dry cleaning, then dry cleaning really took off in the 80s. Uh, my dad and my uncle came back and came into the company, 
bought um, a couple of different dry cleaning companies. So we're up to 10 different dry cleaning stores. Okay. Grandfather actually was the president of the Dry Cleaning Association, which was a, a U.S. Um, membership company. So there's a lot of notoriety to that. Right. And then uh, as time went on, the it evolved a little bit more, and we're no longer as much into the dry cleaning where we still do it, but it's more of the the rental scene. So I guess back to your question, you know, what have I been doing since I've been here? Try to keep busy. And uh, usually it's not hard to do, but I've been here for 12 years. In the last 10 years, we've doubled in revenue and our rental end of the company, which I work in, has tripled in revenue and purely due to, to our people. I mean, I, I believe that, you know, we have good people. We take care of the customers because uh, I was always taught we don't make anything. You know, a lot of manufacturing companies, they, they come up with a new product or new innovation we don't make anything. All we can do is service people and it's just shirts and pants. So there's nothing fancy <laughs> about that. So you have to be really good at it. Yeah. So um, it's, it's fairly complex on taking a couple thousand garments every day and washing them and getting them back out the door on the right truck to the right customer, to the right person. But uh, we feel we're very good at that. Very good. And so let, let's talk about the grit. Let's talk about, I get, you know, we're talking about grit in a cleaning company, but I, we, we know grit is the hard work. That's what we're talking about. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I assume since you're fourth generation, it was all set and easy and running and you just stepped right in and, and uh, feet on the desk and no worries, right? Or I imagine there was some grit. So can you share, yeah. us, share some stories of, of hardships and, and, and hurdles that you had to overcome uh, to get where you are today? Okay. Well, I, um, I, out of school, I went and worked for a Fortune 400 company. And um, uh, truthfully, I, I mean, I, I'm a salesman by trade. And um, I don't think most salesmen know they're going to be in the sales industry profession. Um, I didn't go to school to, to do that, but uh, I did end up getting in some classes and I enjoyed it. So I went and did that in uh, the Carolinas for a few years. And it was your prototypical, you know, Fortune 400 company where you had phone calls to make doors to knock on you name it you know yeah. that was it was a grind it was truly a grind every friday you sat in a boardroom with 20 other sales reps and they put you up against each other and see who's done well and who has not and uh so that was the environment that was my first uh you know job out of school and that was a learning curve for me i had an idea what it would be like but it was very eye-opening and um i, I liked it you know, it was very competitive. To your question, when I then two years later came back into this organization, I didn't have a true understanding of our culture and um, kind of, uh, you know, how we're growing the business. So I, you know, in the summers, I was here every summer. I've done every job in the plant. Talk about grit. You know, I've washed clothes, I've dried clothes, you name it. Um, but, uh, it, it's, it's, when you get to that point, I was, I was challenged to see what, how is this going to work? Yeah. So I mean, in, I'm interested in a couple of things. One, why didn't you just go into the family business? It was already up and running and I'm sure there was a slot for you or, or perhaps not. And the second question I have is when you got there, what were the issues at the time that you realized needed to be addressed? So a couple of those opportunities to talk about some hurdles. Yeah, most definitely. Um, regarding the, the first question, uh, my, my, my father always told me that you're not coming back to the company until you go somewhere else and learn. Good for him. Um, so that was his rule. Uh, he did not want, uh, he did come straight out of school. So does his brother into mm -hmm. the company. 
and he felt as though we need to learn other things and bring value back. So uh, I'm glad he did do that. I did learn a lot. As far as when I got here, honestly, it was just coming out of our most recent recession. I think the recession was 2017 to 20 or 27 to uh, 2007 to 2009, something like that. And so, you know, honestly, our, our business was flat, you know, to say it kindly. So the dry cleaning industry had, had you know, slowly tapered off. And um, I came back, you know, guns ablazing, thinking, all right, I'm going to go out and sell stuff. Well, I, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. You know, I, I don't know how to sell shirt and pant programs, you name it. So um, I had to learn on my own. I, I, I honestly, I just went out and I knocked on doors all day, every day. And I made lots of phone calls. And I, I learned kind of who I was and the industry by doing that. It, there was a lot of nights I went home and I was very frustrated because I was used to being very successful at my past job. And came into this and thought, this is a piece of cake. Well, it wasn't. So it took a little while to get my get on my feet. And um, I had, did have a lot of uh, other area companies. When I say area, we're part of other organizations that are privately owned organizations in our industry. And they've been through it all. Um, I actually even, you know, jumped in the car for 12 hours and went and rode with other sales reps to really understand how it's done. So um, it, it was something that was, it was more of a self-challenge. Um, my father, you know, understood it, but at the same time, he didn't. I'm, I'm not going to say he, because he did the same thing, but it was X amount of years ago. Mm-hmm. So um, I think he may have even enjoyed seeing myself learn and try to figure it out. So you were going to say fail, weren't you? He enjoyed seeing you <laughs> fall a little bit. Yeah, that that's okay. I'm, I'm interested then. So I know when family businesses, and I've seen it happen, the 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 first generation built it to a certain thing, and the second generation kind of has that same passion that they learned from dad. Third generation sometimes, I'm not saying it happened with you, but third generation sometimes doesn't have that passion. It's like you know that was grandpa's thing. I'm just kind of here running the show, and a lot of times third generation businesses fall down a little bit, let alone a fourth generation. I'm wondering from you and your perspective, when you got there, what was the environment? I know it was uh, down economy and things, but were there things that just needed to be addressed and needed to be changed to do things in a more modern way that you would want to see them done? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest part of that was we had an excellent core. Okay. So we had good people. Uh, We had good you know, management, you know, everybody cared, but there was no maybe vision on growth moving forward. And uh, I'm a big believer, if you're not growing, you're going the other way because we're in a very competitive market where everybody is moving forward. So with that said, the culture was kind of come in day to day, do your thing. Um, I mean, we had a salesman before, but it was more of a, uh, what I call a banker mentality. You know, someone gives me a call, I'm going to go out and I'm going to, you know, try to get a new customer Mm -hmm. where I came in. I was like, well, what are we doing? We're not sitting here to, we're not here to read newspapers and drink coffee for the first two hours of the day. So that was a big change. I'm sure I ruffled a few feathers and they're like, well, here comes the boss's son, watch out. And I, to a sense, I think that was okay because, um, you know, we were able to get some people on board as you grow, you got to be able to evolve quickly. And now we're to the point where I truly believe like we have changes that happen within our organization to help us absorb growth 
and be the best service-oriented company that we can possibly be. And people are used to it. They're like, all right, let's do it. So the mentality is now, you know, they're used to this and used to these challenges where they're not as big, you know, hurdles or challenges as they used to be. So that's fun to see. Mm-hmm. And and was there ever any time when you kind of butted heads against with your father? He had set things up. He'd run a good business. He was doing things the way he wanted to do things. And that is right in, in any right. owner's mind. Uh, and then here right. comes the new gun who happens to be the son. Was mm-hmm. there ever any tension or, or times when you guys just butted heads a little bit? And tell me about that. No particular instances. Okay. Um, but there's no doubt there's some things that I would bring to the table and he would have a tough understanding on how are we going to do this, Brian? And I was like, well, I don't know. I brought it here. They're a new customer. Why don't you figure it out? From that standpoint, yes. It's funny because my brother's the, he oversees all of our service reps and all of our guys out on route. So uh, I'm lucky enough to have him right on the other side of the wall from me. Uh, it's kind of unique where we grew up with bedrooms next to each other. And now we have offices right next to each other. So do we buy head sometimes? Oh, yeah. Um, is it for good reason? Yes, I truly believe that. Because if you're not um, being open about what's going on, things are going to go. They're not going to stay on the same path. And if we don't have the same vision to stay on the same path and where we're trying to get to, um, it's going to take a lot longer to get there. So one of the things that I know about where I work and anytime I've been in an office environment, we butt heads all the time. Everybody's got, yep. you know, their visions and things of that sort. And you come together as a team, but you're butting heads sometimes. At the end of the day, you go to separate homes and you, I know you guys go to separate homes too, but your family, tell me a little bit about the dynamic of running a family business and yet never even, never completely able to leave that at the office. Is that the case? It's always on your mind. So when you're in a family business, and uh, even those people who are, are very dedicated to their business, they don't have to be family. You know, we have a lot of employees that I would consider family when it comes to business. I have uh, two uncles that work here. I have a cousin. I have wow. a brother. Um, I have some of their extended family, my aunt. So do I see them all every day? No, I do not. But um, do we get together and do we talk business outside of work? Yes. And we do try to keep that to a minimum and be more lighthearted. But sometimes some of your better conversations do happen when you're outside of work. You know, you're out having a drink somewhere and you bring up a topic and you have a more thorough discussion on it because sometimes emotions can get in the way. But sometimes emotions uh, can get a true feeling on what someone really feels where they may not have revealed it in a work atmosphere or at work or in the office. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it happens. Uh, we actually do family retreats where it's just our leadership team, which is family and, um, you know, our controller. And uh, we have good conversations yeah. and we make it a point to get outside of the office and talk business for a full day, have dinner and, uh, you know, come back to work a little bit, refresh and have an understanding where everybody stands. Can you think back to a time and a family business when, uh, things started to get a little rocky and you actually started to get a little afraid. In, in other words, if this goes the way it's going, we're going to have some issues. We're not just going to have business issues, but we're going to have family issues. And I know things work out, but was there a time when things were so tense or hard mm-hmm. in a family business that you're kind of wondering, wow, I'm not sure where this is going to end. What I get myself into, huh? Yeah. 
I'm lucky where I've never been to that point. I know that doesn't help your podcast much. I'm telling you that, but lie um, to me, Brian, lie to me. I know, I know. But to be honest, you know, you know, we're looking at transition, you know, of, you know, ownership in the near future with our organization. Mm. And is that something where you have to have conversations? Absolutely. Are they hard conversations? Yeah, they can be very hard conversations. I'm lucky enough where our family is pretty tight knit and we do believe in supporting the family. I've been involved in other organizations, groups where their family did not work out so well as far as that dynamic. And they had to work through that. And you hear some horror stories. You truly, truly do. And a lot of times the people that I heard out of that are the innocent. And whether it be the employees um, or important people that have been with the company for years, but now they can't be there because something happened with you know, one of the owners, you know, sisters or whatever the case is. So, you know, I'm sure you've talked to some folks yourself. You've been around business long enough that, yeah, it happens. But uh, I, I feel very fortunate that we're in a place where we don't have that issue. In a family business, and you are so such a tight family, and that's amazing. You have employees that aren't family. Yeah. In a family business, I, you know, at our, at Spire, I love every single employee there. I'm wondering if it's different in a family business where you love them even more and bring them all into the family even more. I don't know the answer to that, but is that something that happens in a family business with their employees? Yeah. Are you saying maybe you, you treat your, some of your employees like they were family a little yeah, more? Than I'm wondering, otherwise? I'm wondering if there's a difference at all, you know, whether, uh, yeah. whether you treat them differently. I think that's different for every individual. Hmm. So um, how I work with or manage some of our employees may be different than some of my other family members. I think there is a tendency to do that because we're human beings. When I'm passionate about something and I feel someone else shares that passion, I'm going to gravitate towards that. And Mm -hmm. I would like, you know, I am going to kind of have them per se by my side or in my wing or however you want to describe that, because I I truly believe that you have to surround your people, yourself with like-minded people. And in doing that, having not just shared values, but, you know, how am I going to get from point A to point B? And if they are looking to do the same, yeah. you know, it, it, you're going to become close friends. Yeah. Now that makes, that makes good sense. You said something else too. I wanted to dive into a little bit different than just family business. When, when great, great grandfather started it, and I think that's four generations, right? Um, mm-hmm. He, he, it was dry cleaning, I believe, or, or and now it's, it's right. uh, uniform rentals and, and equipment rentals and things of that sort. The transition, what caused that? What inspired that? What role did you play into bringing Kimmel Corporation where it is now doing what it does now? Talk to me a little bit about the hurdles that the company had to overcome to maintain its presence and, and uh, growth strategy. Uh, that's a great question. In the, I'm going to say the 80s, especially, um, we had a lot of growth in the dry cleaning part and, you know, it was slowly building and building and building, buying companies. And um, then it hit the 90s, you you saw a trend of people wearing dry clean goods kind of plateau. Okay. And in, in, in dry cleaning, you're going to have these ups and downs with trends in fashion, especially that drives that. So people, you know, even today are wearing more wrinkle-free garments. And uh, so they don't need pressed. They don't need dry cleaned. And it's just a more casual society. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you go to your local bank and, you know, your folks might be wearing a polo shirt. Well, mm-hmm. 20 years ago, they were in shirt and tie. Um, I just spoke to someone the other day says that they were at a funeral and they saw someone wearing jeans that, that to me is odd. Now it's not odd to other people. So 
you know, this, you know, the trends have changed, you know, weddings. There's another example. Yeah. You know, you go to weddings, they're casual weddings. Nothing wrong with it. It's just different than what it used to be. And even more today with, um, you know, unfortunately with COVID, you know, a lot of your executives that used to wear, you know, apparel that would need to be professionally cleaned, dry cleaned, you know, they might be working from home. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, you don't need to dry clean a pair of pajamas. (laughs) Just just the way it is. Um, So you can wear whatever you'd like when you're sitting at home. You might have a nice shirt on and that might be like a sports broadcaster. I don't know. That's right. Um, Brian, you might be sitting at home in that trust me, right now. Trust me, I'm wearing pants. And, and okay, I assume I you are too. Dry <laughs> All folks named Brian in this podcast must be wearing pants. There you go. But um, so <laughs> so that the that's kind of what happened, you know, things that affected the dry cleaning. Yeah. So then we saw a great opportunity in the rental market, being that, you know, there's a handful of local providers in our area and they're all great companies, but it's mostly dominated by the national companies. By national companies, you You've seen some out there being at Cintas, Unifirst, Aramark. They're big, big companies. They're good at what they do, but the structure on how they service their people is completely different on how we service our customers. And when we're servicing our customers, um, you know, it's, it's very personal. We get to know them. We get to know their needs. And we provide programs that fits those rather than here's a shirt and a pant. Good luck. So we saw that in the market. And uh, when I got here, I didn't know any different. So I, I think, you know, my dad and my uncle probably saw that opportunity. And when I came back, um, they naturally said, here's, you know, here's what we'd like you to be doing. And um, went from there. And so those changes that you made, it sounds like they were proactive. You kind of saw, you, you forecasted, tried to predict trends and, and made, they weren't reactive decisions to try to stem off some kind of a major emergency. Is that accurate? Right. I mean, there was no major emergency, but at the same Great. time, and you know, to grow, you got to figure out where to do that. And if you don't think it is in the dry cleaning part of it, um, you, you, need, you need you need to switch. You need yeah. you know get on a different horse, and you need to start riding a different way. So um, you know we we we've done that that we've done a good job at that, and um, you know we have goals to continue that moving forward. Fantastic. And so let's talk about moving forward. What's what's on the horizon? What's the next challenge that you see that you're going to need to display some grit to overcome to get to that next level? Yeah, I mean. Um, it's it's competitive. I mean, uh, some people look at um, uniform rental, especially as a commodity almost, and our competitors are very uh, very competitive when it comes to price. But um, how we bring our customer service into the fold, I believe, is is key to what we do. And it's really finding those companies that have the same values and appreciate what you bring to the table, and they understand. Here's how much grief or pain that Kimmel's is going to save me because they take care of it. I make a phone call, I put it down, and I go back to doing what I need to do for my organization to help it earn money. They're not worrying about shirts and pants and mats. And there's so many companies that we speak with that have this issue. They're like, I talk to my provider, you know, once a week or twice a week. I'm like, why? Well, because I need to fix this, 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 and this person short their garments. They didn't get them back. Well, you shouldn't be doing that. You need to be running your HR department. You need to be running your maintenance department. You are not doing, you know, what you need to be doing to, you know, help your organization. So mm-hmm. a big thing that we have, I guess you asked about, you know, what are you doing on the horizon? Yeah. Um, COVID has actually allowed us to focus a little bit more on uh, 
um, technology and something that we planned on doing. So we doubled the size of our plane about two years ago for growth and uh, we're filling that up, but technology was part of that. So we're actually been putting um, uh, ultra high frequency chips that are about this big in all of our shirts and all of our pants, okay? So what that means is when you turn in your dirty clothes, we bring it into our plant. We actually, you know, it goes through a portal and it tells us every shirt and every pant that's in that um, buggy per se. So there might uh-huh. be 300 pairs of shirts and 200 pairs of pants in there. Yeah. And it tells us every one of them. So therefore, when it goes through the wash process, the drying process and gets sorted out, they have to be scanned. And when they go through the scanner, it tells you, hey, we checked in four pair of shirt and five pair of pants. Now we need to check out four pair of shirt and five pair of yeah. pants. And if it's not complete, the bundle's not complete, it's going to tell you, the screen will go red, be like, hey, this isn't complete. You cannot return it to your customer. So that really puts us head and shoulders above a lot of other companies in the industry because um, they're not currently doing that in our area. And um, I, it's it's huge yeah. uh, for what we do. And it's, it's kind of funny because people think you're putting microchips in your shirts and pants. And yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing stuff. So um, some people think that we can track them and they have GPS. No, <laughs> we can't do that. Um, but uh, the technology in there, it's, 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 it's really cool. Like I can take your shirt, Brian, and I can tell you last year you turned it in 20 times and you know, had two buttons replaced. Wow. That's the profile I can see online. Um, so it's a whole history of the actual garment. Every industry has to step up and take those next steps into the next, uh, the next generation of what's available to them. And you guys have done that. And so yeah. if you don't mind, I bet that there are listeners out there in a family business that it's not quite so easy and, or not, it wasn't been easy, but it, it's not so tight and there are right. fractures. And I'm wondering, uh, would it be okay if they, uh, if anybody wants to reach out to you and talk about it a little bit, do you mind uh, getting your ear bended a little bit? Or maybe even just talking about Kimmel Cleaner or Kimmel Corporation and what you can do for them. How would they reach out to you? Feel free to call me um, here at the office. Our number is 419-294-1959. Or, you know, my email address, everybody can get a hold of me there. It's brian.kimmelcleaners.com. And uh, you do make a good point that um, being in a family business is a, you're a minority and um, talking to others is, you know, very helpful and very refreshing to understand that uh, you're not the only one that's in that, that boat. And honestly, that's one thing I do enjoy about my job here is I work with a lot of family businesses Mm -hmm. and we can have a lot of good, conversation and gets down to the meat and potatoes and it's not about shirts and pants yeah. it's about you know how do you get through day to day on some of your challenges and some of these challenges you think is only you that, that's not true no. because it, it's so so uh common uh when you have certain issues within your organization because not every day is a cakewalk yeah and, and that's what this show is is about i want the folks that are listening who are trying and struggling and going through their own challenges and hurdles to know that it's not better across the fence. The grass isn't greener over there. Those people that look successful have had just as many issues as you have, and they're still having them. And you come to work every day with grit and you have to show it so you can get past those things. So thank you for sharing your story, Brian. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Before I let you go, I want to do a quick 
uh, plug for Spire. That's my company. Uh, Spire Marketing is uh, is a company that that uh, comes alongside businesses, small, medium sized businesses, and really tries to help them grow through some of those challenges, getting past the hurdles of uh, of growth and revenue generation, lead generation uh, systems, things of that sort. So, if you are looking for a partner as far as advertising and marketing goes, uh, look to us. We're Spire Advertising, Spire Marketing. I am Brian Leffelock. I'm the director of sales with Spire Marketing, and I want to thank you, Brian, for sharing your story, for being vulnerable about your family business and the growth of your family business and, uh, and about the grit uh, that you showed long-term. Thank you for being a guest on Dash of Grit. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate having me on. I'm really glad you were here. And for everybody out there, Dash of Grit happens once a week. Uh, go back and look for something that you think is interesting. And until we meet again, get gritty. Talk to you next. This is a Dash of Grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things.